The sorrow of the two disciples on their way to Emmaus hits close to home for us in these strange days. When Jesus, still unrecognized, asks them, what are you discussing as you walk along? Luke tells us that the two disciples stopped and were looking downcast. Well, because of the pandemic, it's we now who have had to stop in so many ways. It's we now who are often looking downcast. Of course, it's true that it's Easter, and Jesus is risen from the dead, and death no longer has dominion over him. But at the same time, simple human solidarity seems to prevent us from fully entering into this paschal joy, still surrounded as we are by the reality of sickness and death. As of this morning, over 54,000 people have died from the coronavirus in the United States, and of course, worldwide, there are many more. And maybe someone close to you, or even many someones close to you, um, have been sick or have even died. And even if you haven't fallen ill or lost a loved one, still, in many ways, things are difficult right now. We can't receive the Eucharist. For many people, jobs and fi family finances are all of a sudden very uncertain. Students are at home instead of here on campus enjoying the end of the semester with their friends. So yes, it's Easter and the Lord is risen, but it's still a sorrowful and perplexing time. And so in many ways we can identify with these two disciples who are on their way to Emmaus. They're completely out of sorts. They're swamped with sorrow and confusion. They don't know what's gonna happen. They don't know how they'll recover from what they perceive as unfulfilled hope in Jesus. They don't know how they can be lifted out of the depths of their dejection. All they know is that the way they thought things were going to be is not the way that things have turned out. And then, apparently out of nowhere, Jesus draws near to them, and he walks with them. But St. Luke tells us something very curious, that their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. Their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. Why? Jesus could see that they were obviously heartbroken about what had happened to him. And yet, he didn't make himself immediately known to them. He didn't take away their sorrow and their pain right away. But instead, he allowed them to remain for a time in the dark about who it was that had drawn near to them and was walking with them. Now eventually, of course, as we heard, Jesus opened their eyes when he sat at table with them. He was made known to them in the breaking of bread. And in this climactic moment for them, the glorious reality of Easter finally dawns on these two disciples. But we shouldn't overlook how Jesus prepares them for this as he walks with them as yet unrecognized. As they say afterwards, was it, or as, as Jesus says to them, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And then St. Luke tells us that beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted to them what referred to him in all the scriptures. And later they would say that their hearts were burning within them as he opened the scriptures to them along the way. There's a very famous uh, Easter homily by St. Melito of Sardis, who was a second century bishop in what's now Western Turkey. And in this Easter homily, St. Melito says this, Christ is the Passover of our salvation. He was present in many, so as to endure many things. In Abel, he was slain. 
in Isaac bound, in Jacob a stranger, in Joseph sold, in Moses exposed, in David persecuted, in the prophets dishonored. This, we could say, is essentially what Jesus explains to the two disciples walking to Emmaus, that in all of these figures leading up to Jesus himself, Jesus was somehow mystically suffering in them. He was with them. He was present in their sufferings. And that he is the culmination of everything that came before, that all of their sufferings, everything they endured, were pointing forward to Christ himself. But Christ is not just the exalted culmination of the history and the figures that came before him. Christ is also the one who continues to accomplish his saving plan in those who come after him. This uh, beautiful statement of the Second Vatican Council says that it's only in the mystery of the incarnate word that the mystery of man takes on light. In other words, Christ reveals that the suffering of the holy ones who came before him finds its deepest meaning in his suffering, death, and resurrection. But it's also important for us to see that it's true that the suffering of those who come after Christ also finds its deepest meaning in his suffering and his death and his resurrection. Which means that our suffering and the suffering of the world in this time, even in these fraught and uncertain days, this suffering is not meaningless. Rather, our suffering is united to Christ's suffering because we suffer as members of his body, that body which was pierced and nailed to the cross, which was buried in the tomb, but which after three days rose from the dead to new and glorious life. Were not our hearts burning within us while he spoke to us on the way and opened the scriptures to us? Even if you can't receive the Eucharist in this time, even though you find yourself watching this Mass online instead of being here in person, even though you may not yet recognize Christ yet in the midst of all of this confusion and frustration and suffering and turmoil that surrounds us, this doesn't mean that Christ is not with you. In fact, Christ has drawn near to us, just as he drew near to the two anguished disciples on the way to Emmaus. He's drawing near to you. You may not yet recognize him, but he's drawing near to you. So let him walk with you. Let him set your heart ablaze with his word. Let him speak to you on the way and open the scriptures to you. Particularly in this time of isolation, find your Bible, dust it off if you have to, and pray with it every day, even if just for a few minutes. Allow Christ, the word incarnate, to reveal himself to you in the word of God. Let him open the scriptures to you so that your hearts too may burn as he reveals himself to you. Now we can't set our own hearts on fire with love for Christ. That's his work. But he can and does do this with the flame of perfect charity that burns in his sacred heart. And sometimes he does this even before we fully recognize him. Even if all we know in the moment is that our hearts are burning for him, burning with desire for him, with love for him. Even if we don't see the whole picture of how God can bring great good out of this great suffering, even if we don't yet recognize the face of Christ in the midst of all of this, he is drawing near to us. He is calling us in the midst of our sorrow and confusion and darkness. He's calling us to faith and hope in him. He wants to set our hearts on fire with this faith and hope and love for him. 
And so we can take heart from the way that he opens the, the minds and hearts of the disciples on the way to Emmaus, the way that he sets their heart ablaze with love for him, even though they don't yet recognize him. And we can take heart from the joyful and confident proclamation of St. Peter in our second reading. That Christ was known before the foundation of the world, that he was revealed in the final time for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. <laughs>